Welcome back to 1330 WRAM at FM 94.1. It's July. It's time to talk about the growing season. We're in the heart of the growing season and joined by Lance Tarchione, who is with Bayer Crop Science. He's the agronomist. How you doing, Lance? Doing well, Vanessa. Thank you. Good. Well, let's jump right in because our farmers all across the state, uh, we've had different weather patterns. Some have yeah. seen more rain. Some have seen less rain. Some have seen it just right. right. Give us the scoop on the agronomy in the state of Illinois. Well, that, that, that's a, a pretty good summary of the weather that we've seen. I, I would say Illinois ranges from dry to just right. Uh, not too much of the state would be too wet like we are some years. Uh, areas have had probably four to six inches of rain in the last six weeks. Uh, areas have had maybe an inch or less in the last six weeks. So, the, so there's some still very dry parts of primarily east central Illinois would be the driest part of the state that I'm aware of. And uh, right, right here in the Monmouth area, this would be probably one of the better parts of the state from an overall moisture standpoint. You know, we had our hailstorms early. We had some flooding early. We had cold, wet spring. Got off to uh, kind of a shaky start, but uh, the summer weather. Here, kind of in the Knox, Warren, um, Henderson County area, uh, has been you know about as close to ideal as as you could get. We've uh, gotten rain when we needed it, and uh, the crop is a little behind normal just with the start that we got off to this year, but not uh, but not too bad. And a lot of corn pollinating right now, and really perfect conditions for pollination. We've got moisture. Uh, it's not hot, so you know things look. Uh, you know, knock on, knock on wood, things look great now. We're going to need uh, more timely rains to finish things off and make it all it could be. But uh, people are excited about the potential. Okay, good. I, I heard yesterday on Brownfield there were two farmers speaking from uh, down in southern Illinois and and also in parts of like Pike County, uh, the Winchester area. They had too much rain, mm-hmm. washed out some of their fields. Yeah, and there's there's been a lot of um, you know there's been some windstorms in areas. There's been green snap. There's been root lodging. There's you know your normal summertime storm events, and and usually every every time that front moves through somewhere it's a little more intense than somebody wanted and uh you know normally when you have those storms there's there's more benefit than harm that comes from that because you know everybody generally is getting some moisture but uh if you're in the if if you're in the epicenter of some of those storm events yeah you can get some flash flooding you can get hail you can get severe winds um you know and that's kind of a a normal summer here in the in the midwest and we uh, we always hope that uh, we miss out on those events yet get the moisture, and uh, sometimes you got to have a storm to get the moisture. Yes, and it looks like you know we'll see temperatures this week uh, back up into the upper 80s throughout most of the state of Illinois. Yeah, and you know really high 80s, low 90s is is not you know damaging levels of heat. That's a uh, uncomfortable for us, but uh, corn corn likes it hot and humid, and uh, assuming we've got the moisture. That's that's not enough heat to, to really cause any, you know, negative effect on the crop. Um, you know, if you're in a dry area, um, still hoping for got some more chances of rain uh, here and there, but um, not talking about a lot of rain, broad broad broadly anyway over the next uh, week to ten days. So if we go through a week or ten days of of warm weather without any additional moisture. We'll be we'll certainly be looking for that next rain at, on the on the back end of that. 
Okay. We're talking with Lance Tarchione, agronomist. And Lance, state of Illinois right now, um, how do we look for corn planting as compared to what the initial plant, uh, the USDA's prediction was? Um, I don't follow those things as closely as some of the economists do, but uh, you know, my understanding is Illinois came in you know, fairly close to what we were expecting from a corn crop standpoint. And, um, you know, nothing too shocking for us. I thought maybe we might see a little bit less corn on corn in the state this year because of some of the input prices. But a lot of people didn't feel the brunt of those because we had an opportunity to buy early last year and get prices at a more reasonable level locked in. Now, we may not have that opportunity for this year. Um, the, the spring prices were, were not, you know, particularly favorable from a fertilizer standpoint. And, you know, we might be looking at fall prices that look a lot more like this spring's prices than last fall's prices. So, um, we'll, we'll see, you know, if it's always a balancing act between, you know, input costs and, and revenue potential. And, you know, we, we tend to, we tend to like corn, uh, here in, in the central part of the corn belt. Uh, but, you know, it is the more expensive crop to put in the ground. So it's kind of that debate of, you know, if, if you want to save money on inputs, you go soybeans. If you want to generate revenue, you know, that tends to lean guys towards corn. But, um, you know, we've got transportation issues potentially. You got a lot more bushels to move. Uh, drying costs are going to be high with, with LP and, and gas prices high. Um, you know, corn is the more intensive fertilizer, you know, user. So there's a lot of costs there. So, you know, there's, there's definitely going to be, um, you know, next year looks like it could be one of the most expensive crops we've ever put in the ground. Hopefully commodity prices will stay up to where farmers can remain profitable, even with the high input costs. Yeah, that's our hope. Definitely. And how about disease pressure? Uh, is it different in, in parts of the state with the, the rains uh, being different, the total number of inches we've received? Kind of give us an update on disease pressure. Yeah, I would say generally across the state, disease pressure is, is still relatively low at this stage of the game, which, which is good. Um, it, it is fairly early in the season to be, you know, we can't really breathe a sigh of relief and say, oh, it was nice we didn't have disease pressure this year. There's plenty of growing season left for, for diseases to crop up. The moisture that we've had in areas in, in recent weeks is, is going to favor the development of those fungal diseases. And it's not necessarily rainfall that you have to have. It's more the humidity. And uh, we've had, you know, there's been a lot of days when we didn't have really heavy dews and it was fairly dry by 9 or 10 in the morning. Uh, you know, a year ago we had days where it was, you know, you'd still get damp walking through corn at, at noon. And, you know, this year's just been a little more on the dry side. And I think that's slowing the development of some of our fungal diseases. It's not going to prevent them from coming, but if they come in later or less intensely, you know, maybe they won't have the, the huge impact that they did last year. Uh, there have been a lot of tar spot sightings uh, across the state uh, a lot of those have turned out not to be tar spot just something else making a black spot on a corn plant that somebody thought maybe was tar spot because we all kind of got tar spot on the brain after after going through last year mm -hmm. but um <clears throat> you know i personally haven't found any yet that i confirmed was actually tar spot but i don't spend 18 hours out of every day looking for it either and if you're going to find it early in the growing season you you got to be looking for it to find it um, don't see a lot of gray leaf spot yet either seeing a little bit of physoderma 
Um, you know, don't really see any southern rust yet. Haven't seen much common rust. So, you know, right right now, you know, the crop looks very healthy. Color's good. You know, fertility looks good. We didn't lose a lot of nitrogen this spring. We haven't had, you know, excessive amounts of rain. So, you know, I, I don't want to get prematurely optimistic, but, you know, stands are good. Color's good. We don't have ponds. Um, not a lot of disease pressure yet. Um, weather's been good. You know, I mean, it's it, it's fairly easy to get a little bit excited about how good this crop could be. Yeah, let's not jinx it, Lance. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so we're talking with Lance Tarchione, who's an agronomist with us today. And um, I've been reading a lot of reports from the different industries, like at Illinois Corn Growers or in Illinois Beef, about conservation practices mm-hmm. that uh, attempt to help our farmers uh, cover crops is continually mm-hmm. comes up as a positive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, however, the costs can be prohibitive. What are you seeing cover crop-wise that works in a state like Illinois with our geographic territories? Well, the, <clears throat> the, the, the easiest crop to incorporate cover crops into would be soybeans. So we don't see a lot of cover crop adoption, you know, period across central Illinois yet. There's pockets, there's areas where you'll see more, um, there's individual growers who are very passionate about it. But I I would say the, you know, the, the masses across central Illinois, you know, have not fully embraced cover crops yet. Uh, we like to do a lot of tillage in central Illinois. And if you like to do a lot of tillage, cover crops don't really fit that. So it tends to be the no-tiller that that first has an interest in cover crops because they're the one that's farming in a way that makes it easy to adopt cover crops. So some of our no-tillers have looked into it. Um, You know, cereal rye ahead of soybeans has been probably the most common thing that's been looked at. They're they're harder to manage in front of corn. As you go into southern Illinois and Indiana, you'll find more acres of cover crops. So southern Illinois has a longer growing season. That makes it a little easier for them to see some of the benefits. Indiana has some pretty aggressive programs to incentivize cover crop planting. So, you know, Indiana's been paying farmers to plant cover crops for for several years. And so there's lots of lot more acres of cover crops in in areas where people are being incentivized. Um, you know, almost seems like everybody these days has their version of a carbon program. Bear does, others do as well. And those carbon programs are going to, you know, offer some payments uh, for cover cropping, no-till, things like that. So there are probably going to be more and more incentives to just with the, the, the interest and in the public around sustainability and, and the ways that agriculture can actually help with uh, the environment, greenhouse gas emissions, and those sorts of things. Um, you know, ag- agriculture has an opportunity to be, you know, blamed for part of the problem or be proactive and be part of the solution. And and that's, you know, kind of the intent of the carbon programs is for agriculture to, you know, have an opportunity to be part of the solution. And so I, th- I think those things will, will, you know, hopefully get more growers to, be interested in trying cover crops they they are expensive to to seed sure um the the management i mean i I would say you know no-till requires a higher higher level of management to be successful cover crops require in my opinion the highest level of management to be successful it's not something you can just do haphazardly and have success with it Um, there are lots of benefits of cover crops from a sequestering carbon to controlling erosion to improving soil health 
but if you don't do it right, one of the negatives of cover crops is it reduces the yield of your primary crop. Right, so which we don't want that. So they're not, you know, they're not just always positive no matter what. You, you got to do it the right way. And um, I think there's opportunities for a lot of education and, you know, a lot of farmers that have had success with cover crops love talking about, you know, their experience with cover crops and, and farmers oftentimes learn best from successes that other farmers have had. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of innovators out there. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like no-till was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's cover crops today and, and those innovative people that have had success with it. Um, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for people to, to talk to those folks and learn from those people uh, if, if they have interest in it. Okay. And Lance, you know, you talked about agriculture um, being part of the solution. Agriculture is a part of the solution. I was just reading or watching a video from watchusgrow.org, which I, I look at on the Illinois Corn Growers Association website. So fantastic video of a young sixth generation farmer. She's going to the university to um, to be in economics, agriculture economics, mm-hmm. showing us how you can make bioplastics. And we grow the crop of corn every mm-hmm. single year, mm-hmm. so it's a renewable product as opposed to using regular water bottles, which, as the mm-hmm. video pointed out, is using petroleum-based mm-hmm. products. Mm-hmm. So you know, we just don't have access to it yet to a, to a, a great demand um, that's going to be there, or seems like it is. They seem to want to end the use of of plastic water bottles. Mm-hmm. So we've got to find a way to to get that word out there more viral about what a solution that would be to right. one of our challenges. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a you know, just thousands of different things you can do with, you know, you know, any commodity basically. And uh, corn can be made into all sorts of different things. We're, you know, we're known for ethanol and, and corn sweetener, right? Uh, which in some circles are, you know, not necessarily the most positive aspects of, right. of, uh, of agricultural products, but there, there are a ton of things that you can make from starch out of corn or protein out of soybeans. And, um, you know, a lot of research goes into those products and, you know, it tends to be kind of a chicken and egg thing that, yeah, there, there might be a more, um, traditional way of doing it that's established and Mm -hmm. maybe cheaper in some cases, or maybe not, maybe it's just established and, and people keep doing things the way they know how to do them, which is, I guess, make water bottles out of petroleum based plastic, but yeah, didn't even know they were made out of petroleum until I saw this video. Right. Right. And, and there's. You know, sometimes the, you know, if, if the alternative is not better or not cheaper, you know, it's going to be slow to go to that. But if it's better or more cost effective or, you know, I don't think we in agriculture should necessarily expect everybody to embrace agricultural based products just because um, there needs to be a, a benefit to sure. the consumer of it. And, um, you know, if, if there is, I, I think that's great. Um, you know, if there's not, then we got our work cut out for us to figure out, well, what is the, you know, what is the benefit of sure. the agricultural-based product? Well, we got to make good news travel faster. Unfortunately, we read in the media that bad news travels 70% faster hmm. than good news. Mm-hmm. That includes negative and, and um, incorrect news. Yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's no shortage of places you can get your negative and incorrect news <laughs> these days either. So. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Lance, anything else you want farmers to know as we are in the heart of growing season here in July? This is our make or break point, so so to mm-hmm. speak, you know, with the, the heat and moisture. Uh, what else do you want farmers to know? Yeah, I mean, it's especially for our corn crop. I mean, J- July, you know, year in and year out, the the number one 
factor in determining how good or bad our corn crop is is weather in July. Um, you know, planting date can affect things. Diseases can affect things. Um, you know, other aspects of weather can affect things. But if if you get good moisture in July, typically you're going to have a pretty good corn crop in central Illinois. Uh, soybeans are, you know, a little more uh, influenced by August weather. Uh, but as we plant beans earlier and earlier, July has become more important for soybeans as well. So if you're planting corn and soybeans at the same time in early April, um, July might be the most important month for both of your crops in, in that case. But, um, you know, we've certainly had a, um, you know, a, a little bit of a slow start to the growing season, especially with soybeans. A lot of producers were very frustrated with you know how tough soybeans looked early in the growing season they've kind of turned a corner and and uh, assuming your wheat control is good and assuming your volunteer corn control was good we had a lot of volunteer corn in soybean fields this year because of the challenging harvest conditions we had last year and um, some soybean fields looked a little rough because of that but uh, soybeans look good now they're they're getting close to the r3 growth stage which is when we're going to apply fungicides and soybeans so um, you know, I think the bean crop looks good. Corn crop looks good. I, I agree with you. Not uh, not counting chickens before they hatch. The you know the markets always frustrate me. You know, three 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 weeks ago the market was re- reacting like the crop was done for and it wasn't, and now it's acting like it's made and it's not. Um, so you know we'll continue to swing that pendulum back and forth. And you know I think most farmers you know regardless of what the price is, their goal is to raise the best crop they can raise and hope for the best from a pricing standpoint. You got it. For more information on uh, Illinois Corn uh, News, you can go to Illinois Corn TV and subscribe on the YouTube page. And you also have a place people can catch you. I I do. So uh, actually, I just came from my last episode of Ask the Agronomist. So if you go to uh, uh, West Central Illinois to Calbasgro on YouTube Live, uh, we do every other week uh, an hour-long agronomy program, which I actually just today also turned into a podcast so it's going to be out there in podcast format as well and so if you want to check that out on our youtube live page uh, you can sign up for that and uh, join us every other thursday morning and uh, chat in your questions and our our format is we hope we get a a big enough live audience that we get live questions coming in i can address sure on the program so okay lance as always thank you you bet thank you that is lance tarchione with us agronomist on 1330 wram and fm 94.1